Well, we have to remember that Conor McGregor is uneducated street trash, basically. <laughs> I shouldn't do that when he's drinking. <laughs> uh, how are you doing there, champ? Great. All right, great. good. So anyway... <laughs> You're listening to Unscripted with Mike and Chris, brutally honest sports talk. And now, here is Mike Jansen. A lot of things to talk about as we say hi and hello and welcome you to this 538th episode of Unscripted. A little bit handicapped today, i got to be honest. Mikey screwed up again, and I apologize. Um, my microphone is sitting at home in my new man cave. Really good place to do it when I'm supposed to be here doing this with Chris. But I apologize. I have no excuses except I've got a lot of things on my mind. And I got out of the house excited to see Chris. And I got just to the corner as you make the turn to Chris's house. And I thought, you know what? I just forgot something. Yep, I did. And I live about 35 clicks, so about 20 miles away from where Chris lives. And I couldn't go back because by that time, with all the construction in Calgary, I left my house today. At about, I knew the construction is just a joke. Uh, in in Calgary, you have two seasons. You've got winter and construction season, and we're in construction season right now because you have such a limited construction season before the snow starts flying around here in Nenchyville that you've got to cram so many construction projects in to one summer that it's just unbelievably difficult to get around the city. Usually it takes me about a half an hour to get to Chris's house. I left an extra 15 minutes early and it still was late. It took me almost an hour to get to Chris's house today because of road construction here in Nenshiville. So that's why I couldn't go back and get the microphone, so I apologize. Um, obviously, Chris will still be involved. You can see him here, hello, on the video component of the show. A lot of things to talk about, and I want to start... Okay, I've got this real-time job now, and I actually get up at 5.45 every morning. I'm on the road by 6.30, and I don't get home till about 6.15 at night. And uh, all that time, I have a lot of things and time on my hands on the, on the road traveling back and forth that I can start getting excited about certain things. And so when I get the opportunity to get with Chris, I get excited. And I'm excited about something, but it's not a good excited I have been very complimentary, I think, over the past three years as we are now into our fourth season of Unscripted. Chris and I have been very supportive of the commissioner of the National Hockey League, one Gary Bettman, and his assistant, or assistant, second-in-command, Bill Daly. But I think the boys have made an error here, and I think that they have acquiesced to the television schedule. I am not happy with this. This is not what I'm getting at here is that I this is not a regular season game between two bonehead franchises like franchises like let's say oh the Calgary Flames and the Ottawa Senators. This is potentially on Saturday night for all the potatoes. This potentially could be the Tampa Bay Lightning getting christened as this year's Stanley Cup champions. This would be their first championship since 2004 when they really, with the help of helmet hair, Kerry Frazier, won the 2004 Stanley Cup over the local losers, the Calgary Flames. But I digress. This could be the crowning of a new Stanley Cup champion tonight in Edmonton, and I'm very pissed off. Not that Tampa Bay is going to win the championship, but I'm pissed off is that they're making these two teams 
go back-to-back. They played last night in Edmonton. It went into overtime. Tampa Bay wins in overtime 5-4 to to increase their lead to three games to one in the best of seven, obviously, for Lord Stanley's Cup. But what's got me pissed off is that they're playing back-to-back. They're going tonight again in Edmonton. I am not happy with that. That discredits, to me, discredits what I think is the most difficult major championship trophy to attain. Can you imagine playing 82? And they didn't play 82 this year, but they came pretty damn close with all the different things that we've had to overcome in this COVID-19 season. All the things that they've had to overcome. And these two teams, Tampa was in, obviously was in Toronto for the most of their bubble experience. But Dallas has been in Edmonton for how long now? Two months, at least. Well, probably over two months now. And they've been fighting and battling and scratching and clawing and biting and pinching and kicking and everything else to win Lord Stanley's Cup. And we have to sit here. And I feel bad for the players. You put up as much energy and effort as they are in trying to get to the ultimate goal to win your your sport's ultimate top prize, and you've got to play back-to-back nights. That's why I'm saying this is not a regular season game between the woebegone Calgary Flames and the even worse Ottawa Senators. This is the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Dallas Stars playing for Lord Stanley's Cup. And because, and this is my opinion, Chris may not agree with me, but this is my opinion. Bettman and Daly got scared about having the Stanley Cup potentially series-clinching game going up on Sunday against the National Football League. Um, I don't agree with that. I think that the the hockey hardcore fans will watch the game regardless. And people will, like me, I'll be watching it tonight. But I think when you have so much on the line and the potential crowning of a champion and they have to go back-to-back, and especially is more meaningful when they had to go to overtime on Friday night. And this is not like the regular season where they go five minutes and then they do a shootout. They could have gone, who knows? They could have gone forever and ever, amen, last night. And then they turn around and have to play again the next day. Something wrong with that. Move the game to Monday. Then you're only up against one NFL game. And it's a big one, I get it, Kansas City and Baltimore, but still. I think that's chicken shit. I think it's wrong. I think it does no service to the National Hockey League. It does no service to the 50 players that are going to suit up for this this hockey game tonight. They're tired. They're anxious to get home. I get that. They're anxious to get back with their families. But God damn it, you're playing for Lord Stanley's Cup and you're doing it on the second night of a back-to-back. Something wrong, Bettman and Daly. You need to correct this. It's too late now. But you should have corrected this. You should have seen this potentially coming. And... I think because you're scared of going up against the National Football League and their schedule and the popularity of Jane Goodell's husband's league, I think it's bullshit, and I think that this does disservice to the National Hockey League and especially to the, to uh, Lord Stanley's Cup. Well, I think they definitely don't want to go up against the NFL, but also, never mind Sunday, I'm wondering, and I've been asking people what they think here, I'm wondering if... The Monday night football game with Kansas City and Baltimore is going to be the highest rated Monday night football game of all time. So 
I and like sometimes you know Monday nighters are often terrible. Absolutely. Last few years, the ESPN gets the kind of leftovers there, exactly. but they're not getting the leftovers this time. And uh, I would actually worry more about going up against that game than going up on Sunday night. Frankly, like that's yeah, I don't want any part of that if I'm the NHL. However, I will say I think part of it too is that they really wanted saturday night because saturday night is hockey night right right yeah but uh i think that what they should have done is if that's their priority number one their priority is saturday night okay fine number two they don't want to go against the nfl on sunday and especially at least this week on monday either uh you know you'd want like a saturday tuesday type thing there on friday Friday yeah so it should have been it should they should have had that planned out in advance and then gone backwards and like okay well then we can go wednesday we can go Monday and we can space it out like that and if it would have meant starting you know the game the first game a night later which ends up pushing everything like that's fine but uh, if that's your goal do that but I guess they just weren't worried about back-to-backs and in general um, this schedule necessitates some back-to-backs we're going to see this coming year in the NHL the 2021 season or whatever it's going to be called uh, it's going to be Obviously, it has to be way more back-to-backs than than normal for a condensed season. <clears throat> they still want, ideally, a full 82-game season. Yeah, and I get that, but my uh, yeah. problem still is this is the Stanley Cup Finals. This is not a regular season game sure. between Calgary and Botswana. This is for the big trophy. This is for sure. to sip, sip from Lord Stanley's Cup that pissing me off yeah and i don't blame for being pissed off about that at all and that's what and i I would agree with that part i mean i think they should have cared if the games are uh if they are back to back or not for the stanley cup final i look i know they want to get it done and and i know that they they're so happy that this has been fine i think we're at the point now it'd be pretty tough for covid to ruin the stanley cup final at this point i think they're pretty good now and i know they just want to be done with it and have no issues and it's been such a headache and i'm sure it's aged gary bettman a little bit but uh yeah they just uh, they they should have valued the honor product a little more it'll be interesting to see if the game if the teams come out flat i i think if anything this probably favors uh tampa bay because they've they've got one game left they they can get up for it they can be like hey one more game we're out of the bubble we can go home we can see our families we can end this and then dallas is, might be thinking the same thing and like okay we're just done like what are we going to do beat tampa three in a row and and even if they do really still want it and think they can do it, uh, it's tough to get up for it in this point. So I think that if anything, this favors Tampa and this favors just ending the series early, and uh, and it's too bad. Uh, I mean, a rare misstep by Gary Bettman, who's done such a good job. I mean, really, what can you say about the the success of the bubble, the testing? Obviously, it went better than the NBA one did uh, in a number of ways, and uh, so so good for Gary Bettman there. But yeah, you're right. Look, if you want Saturday night, that's fine. That is hockey night, but then don't have it on Friday, and then be, especially with an overtime game, you know, you have to know that could happen. And so and so that's really too bad. And uh, and that's you all. Have no, they'll be able to hear my voice. They have no scheduling conflicts. Rogers Arena, the Palace in Edmonton, can be used whenever the National Hockey League wants. There's not going to be another game scheduled for Rogers Arena potentially until January if they start the 2021 season. What I'm hearing is somewhere in December or January is what I'm hearing. The National Hockey League, the NBA is looking at potentially not starting until January. But regardless of that, I just, again, not to sound, but I I am a little bit on a soapbox because I just... We have sacrificed 
so much this year. Our personal lives, our professional lives, our sporting viewing lives have been sacrificed this year because of COVID. COVID, go fuck yourself. The one thing that we should be able to get excited about, regardless of where they're playing it, whether they're playing it at the Palace in Edmonton or they're playing it in Tampa or they're playing it in Dallas, we should be able to watch the potential last game of the National Hockey League season when these two teams have been rested at least a little bit where we get their best last shot. And I think Chris just made a beautiful observation in regard to Tampa Bay is going to be much more geared up for this game with or without Steven Stamkos. doesn't matter. Stamkos plays once every two months, scores a goal, and then goes and gets hurt again or something. But regardless if Stamkos plays or not, Chris made a brilliant analysis in regard to well, will Dallas be excited to get home and kind of throw in the towel and say, oh, fuck it. You have less of that chance of that happening if you give them a day of recuperation between the games. That's all I'm asking. And what I would have again said, if they had to make a schedule change, it's not like you have to worry about fans and their travel plans. There are no fans. You don't have to worry about another game being scheduled at Rogers Place in Edmonton. There isn't any teams left. So I again... You knew what the National Football League schedule was. You knew who was playing on Monday night. You knew when you potentially would see games six and seven and whatever being played in the Stanley Cup final. Adjust. We have all been adjusting all almost every fucking day since March the 12th or 15th or whatever it was when this COVID shit started. We've been adjusting on the fly every day whether it's at Chris's job or my job or your job or Susie's job or Joe's job or whatever, we've been adjusting every day. Where are the people going to go that have been in the, in the bubble in Edmonton? Could they wait another day? Well, if the weather in Edmonton looks like it does in Calgary today, they probably could find something to do for one more day. That's all I'm saying. I just am, am obviously a little pissed off because I just think Lord Stanley's Cup is the most coveted trophy in sports, in my opinion. And I've been around, I've been around in my career when they've awarded the Stanley Cup. And I've been around when they've given the Vince Lombardi trophy in the National Football League when you win the Super Bowl. I've been around when they've presented the Lawrence O'Brien trophy in the NBA. And I've been around when they've uh, given the Major League Baseball trophy, the one with all the flags on it. There's no name on it because baseball is not that special. Sorry. But this is special. This is special to me because I have really started to enjoy the game of hockey since I've been in hack, hap, excuse me, hockey mad Canada now for almost a quarter century. I understand now. When I first came here 25 years ago, I didn't know the difference between a forecheck and a backcheck. Now, listen to me, and I'm bitching about the Stanley Cup. Would I have been bitching about the Stanley Cup 25 years ago? Absolutely not. But I've, I've grown to appreciate this game. I've grown to understand how difficult it is to play at the highest levels. I understand everything about it now. And I truly believe in my heart of hearts, it is the most difficult sports trophy to attain in the sporting world. And to play back-to-back -back games, fucking ridiculous. That's all I'm going to say. Um, blood pressure's up. <clears throat> I don't think Chris has a defibrillator here. I have to find one. Um... I just think that's wrong. For all the good things I've said about Gary Bettman and Bill Daly, you fucked up here, boys. Um, another team, this one. I'm wearing the hat today because I think we're going to see the end of the Denver Nuggets season today. 
I truly believe that uh, the Orlando bubble is going to be down to, well, again, Boston won last night to make that series 3-2 to two Miami. Wouldn't it be interesting to see the L.A. Lakers play, oh, gee, the Miami Heat in the NBA Finals starting next week in Orlando? Wouldn't that be fun? Uh, LBJ against his old team. The last time that the Miami Heat made the NBA Finals, a guy named LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh were leading the, the uh, Heat. This time, I don't know if I can name three players from the Miami Heat besides Jimmy Butler, but they sure play well. They're really doing a nice job. But tonight, I believe, will be the end of the season for the Denver Nuggets. Denver has been in this three games to one deficit position before. In round one, they were down three games to one to the Utah Jazz, came back and won. Round two, they were down three games to one to the Los Angeles Clippers, came back and won. But here's the difference, folks. The Los Angeles Lakers, led by LeBron James and Anthony Davis, are better than the Jazz or the Clippers, and they are not going to puke up a three-games-to-one lead. I'm going to tell you that right now. Denver may win tonight, but the Denver Nuggets are not coming back from 3-1 down to the Los Angeles Lakers, especially when the Lakers are this close. In all the things that the Lakers have been through this year, besides COVID and the bubble and all the other bullshit, remember this, what happened on January 26th of this year, folks, or January, yeah, it was January 26th, that's when it was, the day Kobe Bryant died. That was an omen, I think, folks, that the Los Angeles Lakers were meant to win the NBA championship this year, which would be their 17th and would tie them with the Boston Celtics as the most in NBA history. So I think that the Lakers season really got that jump start in a really you know, sad way. But if you couldn't get pumped up as a member of the Los Angeles Lakers, A, not only to break the six-year slide that they hadn't been in the playoffs, but then to ultimately win a championship when one of your franchise icons dies in a helicopter accident back in January, I think that was kind of the writing on the wall. And I think LeBron James understands history. He understands his place in history and understands his importance to the Los Angeles Lakers organization getting back up there in championship mode. And I think the Lakers will proceed to the NBA Finals and they will eliminate the Denver Nuggets tonight. Well, what a story it would be if the Denver Nuggets came back from three to one in every round. That would just be the craziest thing. I'd actually be a lot more interested in Lakers versus Celtics because then there'd be the storyline, what you're talking about there. You'd have the Lakers trying to tie the Celtics. You'd have the Celtics trying to go up by two. Uh, So I think that would be interesting. It's such a classic matchup, Lakers versus Celtics. And uh, that would be pretty neat uh, for me to see. Uh, I saw a funny article. It might have been The Onion the other day saying, you know, basically saying LeBron James isn't that good. It took him almost 20 years to make the Western Conference Finals. (laughs) So, so, yeah, so that was good. But, uh, yeah, I'm I'm actually kind of impressed that the uh, both bubbles have gone as well as they have. I mean, the NFL got uh, off to a bit of a rocky start when it seemed like every single guy had at least two or three of his mistresses coming in all the time. And uh, so I was wondering about that. I'm, I'm surprised. And then, of course, they almost, LeBron uh, almost walked out, uh, you know, and, yeah. uh, and ended the whole thing. So they've had to go through a lot. I'm sure Adam Silver has also aged a little bit here. I remember when uh, Patrick Beverly from the Clippers broke protocol and left the bubble to go get chicken wings. Or that was Lou Williams, excuse me. Went out to get Didn't someone wings. go to the strip club or something? Yeah, that was the same trip. Lou Williams went to the strip club and picked up chicken oh, wings. Come on, guys. Broke the protocol, broke the bubble to go out and... And, uh, and that's why the Clippers aren't playing right now. Yeah. The Clippers don't have that same 
They don't have that same mentality as the Lakers. Yeah, I, I, I was actually cheering for Kawhi. It would have been pretty cool to see Kawhi win with three different teams. I mean, boy. I think he'll it... do it, but I think they need some pieces in Los Angeles. Maybe. Pieces Maybe. Maybe. But, I mean, if LeBron wins here, I mean, yeah, I, I he's got so many other things. Uh, I'm wondering when he's just going to be kind of tired of it and, and, and retire. But, uh, anyway, that, that that's for another day. But uh, good, to, good for all the teams that have made it this far. I would have liked to have seen the Clippers. I would have liked to have seen Milwaukee I would have liked to have seen Toronto so I'm a little disappointed that none of those teams are there but uh, Denver's made it exciting the Lakers are an interesting story uh, especially if they go against the Celtics and the Heat yeah LeBron playing his old team but that doesn't excite me that much but anyway good for the bubbles for uh, doing as well as they have uh, I'm just glad we didn't have to watch Manfred or Goodell try to do a bubble because that would have been, shall we say, full of hijinks. Oh, very nice. Well, I will tell you this. Um, we are going to see how Robbie Manfred does as we go over to the former great game of baseball. Um, the Major League Baseball playoffs will be held in a bubble. I don't know if you know this, but uh, the National League playoffs will be held in Los Angeles at Dodger Stadium and at Petco Park in San Diego. The American League playoffs will be held at the new Great America Ballpark in Arlington, Texas, a suburb of Dallas, and then down at Minute Maid Park in Houston. So they're going to sequester teams in those four cities. And remember, there are this year there are what? Uh, how many teams make it? I think six this year. Um, I think that's right. Six or eight make it this year. And I want to start with the baseball, I want to give congratulations to teams, new teams that have made the postseason this year under these most un, you know unusual circumstances, only 60 games. Some teams won't get 60 in. Uh, the St. Louis Cardinals can clinch today, um, but they potentially, if everything had fallen right, right in regard to Milwaukee winning and St. Louis losing, you could have had the St. Louis Cardinals having to play a doubleheader on Monday against the Detroit Tigers for some reason. I don't know, but because the Cardinals were one of those teams that got hit with the COVID-19 at the beginning and lost a number of weeks while they had to sequester themselves. But I wanted to say congratulations to teams such as the Toronto Blue Jays, the San Diego Padres, the uh, Miami Marlins for making it to the postseason. First time in 14 seasons that the Padres will see the postseason, so congratulations to them. Um, Fernando Tati Jr. has been unbelievable for them. My, Manny Machado has done well. Eric Hosmer has done well. San Diego has been a bit of a surprise. Um, I think, obviously, the Marlins. Last year, the Marlins, 105 losses. And this year, they're, again, shortened, condensed season, but they qualified, so good on them. How does the Marlins get in and the Boston Red Sox don't? Hmm, figure that one out. But I do want to say... And this isn't me being a homer, even though I do have some emotional ties to the Toronto Blue Jays because they're the only team in this great country of Canada. But look at all the things that the Toronto Blue Jays overcame this year to make it to the playoffs. Remember when we were back in, whenever they were starting this fiasco back in, in July, um, the Toronto Blue Jays had no place to play. The government of Canada wasn't letting them play at their home ballpark in downtown Toronto because of covid um, Baltimore wouldn't let them in. They were concerned. Baltimore was going to let them in, but for some reason, not until after September 1st, yeah. which I thought was freaking stupid. The Pittsburgh, uh, 
The city of Pittsburgh was going to let them potentially use PNC Park in Pittsburgh, but then all of a sudden some limp dick politician said, uh-uh, we ain't letting the foreigners in. So they couldn't use Pittsburgh's beautiful ballpark. So what the hell were they supposed to do? Were they supposed to play 60 road games? Well, thankfully, Salem Field in, ba- in Buffalo turned out to be a great alternative. Props to the Blue Jays organization for making it feel as much as they could, feel like they were playing in downtown Toronto. They played very well at Buffalo's Salem Field, and God damn it, they made it. And I give them full props for that. I mean, I think my knowledge of baseball is not bad, but could you ask somebody whose knowledge isn't as good of me as mine? Is my, my English is terrible, but my knowledge is okay. But could you ask somebody that doesn't know baseball maybe as well as I do, could you ask that person to name three people at the beginning of this shortened season? Could you ask name three people besides Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? Everybody knew that one. Besides him, could you name three members of the Toronto Blue Jays? And I bet a lot of people, even in this great country, would have, would have had trouble naming three members of the Toronto Blue Jays. And here they are. They're making the, they're making the playoffs. They made the postseason. And now we know the names of BGO and Bo Bichette. And it's not just because Bo Bichette, for me, because his mother's hot. It's just because he can play ball. Um, and where did, we, where, did, where, did, where did Teoscar Hernandez come from? Where the hell was he? I mean, where did he show up from? And this, this new catcher they've got, this Kirk guy who looks like he should be in the WWF playing and, and, and doing the heavyweight thing. He's just, he looks like this just big rolling thing out there. But my God, the guy can hit. Charlie Montoya deserves a lot of credit for what he's done to keep this young team together this year. All credit to them. I don't think they can get past the Tampa Rays just because Tampa's first three starters are very, very good. And it's going to be very difficult in a short best-of-three season to get past those Tampa Bay starters. But I'm telling you, folks, if you want to put a futures bet on a baseball team, I would strongly consider thinking about the Toronto Blue Jays in the future because they've now got the position players that they want. And if they can add a few starting pitchers, they're going to be a team to be reckoned with. Boston sucks in the AL East now. They're going through a a, a rebuild and Boston's rebuild obviously is going to be sped up because they've got money to spend and New York is always going to be there. But I think the one thing that people got to look at in all the sports moving forward, not just because of this special year, but I'd like to see professional sports look at adding teams to the postseason as a permanent fixture. Now you've got, you've, you've wet enough people's appetite with the possibility of even the shittiest of teams making a run and getting into the playoffs. What's the difference? Chris and I have been talking about this in college sports forever and ever and amen. I'm very happy that college football is back. But are we going to in- include now more than four teams for the college football playoffs? You have to. You really have to. And if you don't, the NCAA will have screwed up again. I want to talk about college football later, but I get on a, you know, I get on a, on a tangent and I get going. But I just believe in my heart of hearts, all professional, big professional sports and the big college sports, they need to think about making the postseason playoff formats bigger, invite more teams in, reward more teams in these uncertain times and all the things that we're going through. Let's reward a few more teams, but ultimately we are rewarding 
some teams' fan bases for staying loyal to their teams and staying loyal to watching these games on television or on your computer or however you're streaming your games these days. But let's give the fans something to get excited about. If the poor fans can't get to the games, we need something to get excited about. If we had the traditional baseball playoff number again, a team like the Toronto Blue Jays don't make the postseason. It's a tribute to them. And with the help of this unique season, I think all professional sports and big-time college sports have got to look at expanding the numbers for the postseason. Well, baseball's always had too few teams make the playoffs, in my opinion. And uh, this is something that I alluded to uh, on an earlier episode of Unscripted, which is where if you have fewer teams, it helps add a little more potential parity. It's like a Band-Aid. It's sort of a thing It won't always make more parity, but it can. Where, I mean, in a 162-game season, I just don't see how the Miami Mar- Marlins make the playoffs. I mean, I mean, you have to just get hot and just kind of have the right things, break your way, get some bounces, and, and you can get in. And there's no way, there's no reason to even be a Marlins fan otherwise. But uh, it's nice to see these smaller market teams that don't have much revenue Miami and Tampa Bay are the most obvious ones, of course. It's nice to see them making the playoffs and their fan bases actually have something to cheer about. That's great. I saw, uh, who's the guy that is opening Circa Las Vegas? Is it Derek Stevens? Is that his name? The guy, he's he he's like the baron of downtown Vegas. He owns some of the big hotels on Fremont there. Sure. I think that's his name. And uh, so he's opening the new Circa, you know, right by the Golden Nugget, like at the end near the well, plaza. You know, I used to get to Vegas like every four months, and I haven't been there now for two years because of COVID, so I don't know. <laughs> well, no, but okay, so you go all the way to the end of Fremont, and there's the plaza hotel right. at the end, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then that first block on the south side has you get down to the golden nugget and then there's all the old ones in between like the whatever right across from there uh they've got a brand new hotel they they demolished everything there they put up it's called circa circa las vegas it's made to look like retro futuristic like it looks like if you took i don't know like the a design from like the 1950s but made it super modern it's hard. It's like a hybrid. Like it's it's a cool look, anyway. And they've got the world's largest sports book. They've got this insane pool on like the roof of the third floor or something, where it's just got all these massive screens and like six different pools and all this stuff. Like it's just crazy. Anyway, that guy, he uh, he put a couple bets on the Marlins. I forget how it is, but he made it so he bet enough. I don't know if he bet. I don't know twenty five or fifty thousand or something like that. But he he bet them to win. Um, their league, and then he bet on them to win the whole World Series. And if if they win their league, he wins a million bucks. And if they win the World Series, he wins another million bucks. But uh, it doesn't matter to him. He's got so much money. But anyway, I just thought that was pretty interesting. But you get people interested in having fun with these types of things when you get a team like the Miami Marlins or the Tampa Bay Rays into the playoffs. And it's not going to happen with 162 games, at least not uh, the way they have it now, maybe if more teams make it in. But if the MLB is not going to get serious about a salary cap, which, I mean, every day that they don't just makes them a joke. Um, If they're not going to get serious about that, then at least do things like this, have more teams make the playoffs, have a shorter season, whatever. You have to do things like this at the very least so that fan bases have a reason to cheer for their team. Otherwise, there's no reason to be a fan of the Miami Marlins. None. None, especially with Derek Jeter running them. But I mean, like at least if you got someone better, maybe they could could do something. But when you when you have their old owner, uh, Loria, when you have him, uh, they have to veto trades because he's they're too bad for his own team. And then you have Jeter just giving away Stanton and Yelich. 
I mean, how? I mean, and, and even if you kept them, like you just have no no uh, no budget for anything and no revenue. But uh, it, I, I mean, I don't see how you can be a fan of the Miami Marlins. It's a total joke, and uh, I'm I'm happy for them to make it, and and maybe some of this is going to work out and make them some fans but uh, every day that they don't have a salary cap they're a joke and every day that uh, major league baseball has robbie manfred as the commissioner they get more and more of a joke as well i thought it was ironic isn't it it's kind of funny though and i agree with everything you just said but i i think it's kind of funny that you have the miami marlins now owned co-owned by Derek jeter former yankee their field manager Don Mattingly, former Yankee, and the Marlins clinched their playoff ticket last night in Yankee Stadium. I thought that was pretty cool, you know? Um, This is something that, uh, as we welcome you to this 500, and I believe it's 538th episode of Unscripted, we thank you for joining us. Most unique circumstances today, in this most unique year. My fault, I apologize, but we'll get through it. Um... I have said on this program, I don't know how many times in 537 previously produced episodes, how big a fan I am of Conor McGregor. He's got a brashness about him. He's got a likability about him. He's still a bit of a bad boy, but he's fun to watch to a point. He's fun to listen to to a point. I like his new uh, liquor commercial that I saw last week. He's selling Irish whiskey or something. Yeah, it's his own brand. Well, I get it, but I mean ironic it seems like he sucks sometimes he sucks a little bit maybe too much of his home brew when he should be training but I have been an unabashed fan of Conor McGregor but I got to tell you this week folks I've lost a little bit of that lust and that little bit of that luster on Mr. McGregor with the news that he's thinking or I don't know if it's I don't know if it's finalized yet I know I want I'm I'm what I'm doing here folks is as a good host I'm teeing up my friend and my partner here because I know he's going to have something to say about this. But I am very disappointed to hear, not because of the money they're going to make or not because of the pay-per-views or now all the other extracurricular crap, but Conor McGregor has really, to me, slipped into Brett Favre mode. And what I mean by that, Brett Favre, and I'm not taking a shot at women here, but sometimes women have trouble making up their minds. Not our wives, but... A lot of women out there have trouble sometimes making up their minds. And I think McGregor has slipped into Brett Favre fairyland here. I'm getting tired of, well, I'm quitting, makes the big announcement, and Dana says, yeah, whatever, go ahead, do what you got to do, we'll see you in six weeks. Well, damned if we don't see him back in the news again. But this time, he was lining up a fight with some guy, I don't know who it is, Chris will know, he'll tell you in a minute, but... Now that that possibility fell through. So what is what is McGregor doing? McGregor supposedly is in the process or has lined up. I don't know. Again, Chris will have more on this in a second after I get done with this preamble stuff. But I got to tell you, folks, I'm really disappointed to hear that Conor McGregor is getting into the ring with Manny Pacquiao. It's not Manny Pacquiao. I don't care if it was. I wish if it was going to be a boxer, let him try Floyd May- Mayweather again. But Mayweather's already beat him once. Mayweather would beat him again. So, but I'm getting tired of the wishy-washy shit. I am getting tired of the Brett Favre-esque bullshit all the time. It's, it's starting to linger with, with Conor McGregor. Make a decision and stick with it, man. 
I think part of it is their huge egos that won't allow them to leave the spotlight gracefully. I think that's part of it. But it's taken some of the shine, in my opinion, off of what Conor McGregor has meant to the UFC and MMA. And to guys like me, now this guy knows the UFC and MMA like his backhand. I have learned on his coattails, but one of the people that I've learned more about this unique sport is from Conor McGregor. I go to the guy, uh, JSP, GSP, excuse me, and he said he was going to quit. We haven't heard from him. I appreciate that. I respect that. This guy quits every fucking ever month. And then all of a sudden he gets arrested or busted or doing something. And he's got, it's like, he's got to make money again to make bail. I think this takes away a little bit of the luster from Conor McGregor. And now he just becomes a regular schmuck. And I don't, and I don't like that because I had in my mind, I had Conor McGregor on a higher plateau. He maybe didn't do things, you know, to form or the way a lot of people thought he should do it, but that was the uniqueness of Conor McGregor. He did it his own way, but now it's gotten old and tired. And this quitting and coming back and quitting and coming back is very Brett Favre-like. I got tired of Brett Favre's act at the end, and I'm getting tired of Conor McGregor's act at this end as well. Well, we have to remember that Conor McGregor is uneducated street trash, basically. I shouldn't do that when he's drinking. <laughs> uh, how you doing there, champ? Great. All right, great. good. So anyway, <laughs> and I say that as somebody who actually likes Conor McGregor for the most part. I, you know what? I just I feel bad. Uh, he's. It's not just because you know he's uh, not not a scholar and and, and uh, whatever else, but you know what? He just. People that ha haven't had to work a nine-to-five job for a while, they get kind of, you know, I, I kind of think of Daniel Legrano like this too. Like they, they have that kind of, uh, like they never had that, uh, had to be humbled by that type of thing, and they just go around kind of saying whatever. Um, they never had to struggle to pay bills. They never had to struggle to put food well, on the he, table well, kind of stuff either. So. Well, I mean, Connor did um, on, on the streets, but then it went to hold the whole but other way, and, and then exactly. maybe a little too early for him. But anyway, uh, yeah, he's just, he, he's a little impatient. Like, I understand from Dana's point of view, it's like, do you really want to waste uh, a Connor McGregor fight with no fans. I mean, when you could draw any amount, I mean, it's tough. And so then he gets, uh, he gets impatient. And then he, I mean, he said, he, he said he's retired for the third time or whatever, but then he wants to know why they're not making a fight for him. It's like, come on, man, stop with the stupid retirement BS. It's annoying. And then to go and fight Manny Pacquiao, nobody cares. Look, I know that Manny Pacquiao is a hero to people in the Philippines. He's like a national hero. He's a politician for them. I know he is like a cultural icon in that country. Fine. No problem. But if we look at it beyond that, as a boxer, okay, he's had a lot of fights, so he has over 50 wins. That's great. But he's got, I mean, what, six, seven, eight losses. He's got lots of losses, right? Yeah. When, when Connor fought uh, Floyd, it was not just okay, it's a one-time crossover, it's the first time, you know, people compared it to Ali versus Anoki in 1976, you get that. Uh, but it's not just that, he's also facing, num facing number one, he's facing Floyd Mayweather, who is the greatest boxer of all time, and number two uh, was undefeated, 50-0, and number three 
uh, Floyd is a massive pay-per-view draw, by far the biggest out there. And number four, Floyd can sell a fight. And Floyd can talk. Floyd can can do the whole uh, persona just like he can. Manny Pacquiao is none of that. He's not the greatest boxer ever. Nope. He's not undefeated. Yeah, yeah. He he's not a good talker. He does his talking in the ring, which is fine. But he's not a great talker. He's not a great defensive fighter. Uh, He won't sell a fight. I mean, if you're having this fight in the Philippines, then sure. Yeah, that's yeah. But I mean, there it's supposed to be in the Middle East. If it happens, I I kind of doubt it'll happen. But. yeah, he, it's, if it's in the Philippines, yeah, you're going to sell... I mean, Pacquiao can fight anybody, and you're going to... You'd fight me, and you're going to sell out a stadium um, in the Philippines. But this is just silly now, Connor. Like, sit down and shut up, and we're trying to get through a worldwide pandemic, and as soon as we can get asses in the seats, we're going to do that, and you're going to help sell that because you're the best in the UFC at that, certainly, at selling out arenas. And especially if we have it in Dublin, then, then great. Um, but if you want this attention... Number one, sit down. Number one, shut up. Number two, shut up. <laughs> and and uh, number three, don't say you're retired every after every fight, because that's just annoying and nobody cares and nobody buys it anymore. But he's he's uh, he's a little bit childish because that's he's never had to be a typical nine to five yeah. grown up, right? And so that's what you get is you get this type of shit. So um, nobody cares about Pacquiao. I there's no way I would watch. I wouldn't watch Pacquiao versus McGregor for free. I wouldn't even consider watching it for free. Why would you? What what are you hoping to see? Yeah. Like if you know, it, like it doesn't mean anything. There's nothing. Right. You know, if if Pacquiao wins, well, he's supposed to win. If if McGregor wins, well, Pacquiao's done. Like right. I mean, no, and nobody cares. It doesn't help anybody. So it's just a payday. It wouldn't be anywhere near uh, Mayweather, partly because of the second fight, but also just in general. So it's just a disaster all along. Look, Connor, just calm down. We're all trying to get through this pandemic. If you actually want to fight, uh, there'll be a fight for you. The, the original idea that you were referencing was, uh, fighting Justin Gagey in, uh, on July 11th in Vegas, I think would have been the That's plan. Right. Yeah. That's which right. would have been just a, wow, what a fight that would be. That's perfect. But, uh, and actually with GSP, you mentioned him too. He actually uh, is willing potentially to come back and fight Habib, which is Habib's dream. That's what Habib wants. Habib's dream is to fight GSP, because who's supposed to be like the greatest kind of grappler wrestler in UFC history. And GSP, you know, wants him and, and would face him potentially too. So that might happen. Now, GSP versus Habib, that'll sell yeah, things out. GSP, GSP doesn't come back every weekend and say... No, 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 I know. And that's why I respect him so much. No, well, but GSP actually, I mean, yeah, he takes it very seriously, and he says he's retired, and he is. He did come back to fight Bisping and beat him, and that was cool. But, I mean, it's a special thing. GSP doesn't really like training, and he doesn't like hurting people. That's the thing with him, right? Like, he's good at it. Those are and, two detriments to being a world-class Well, player. yeah, but when you're, you know, when you've got his record, whatever yeah, he is, sure. you know, when you've got two losses ever and you avenged both of them, uh, yeah, you know what you're doing, and he's very talented, but he doesn't like hurting people. He doesn't like training. He, he, likes, to, he likes to sit around and relax and eat McDonald's, is what he says. Wow. Um, That's surprising. Yeah, he is. But I mean, he's got the ability and, he, and he's uh, been unbelievably successful. But uh, I would love to see Habib against uh, GSP. I would love to see Gagey against Connor. I'd love to see Gagey against anyone. I'd love to see Connor against anyone. But look, we're, we're trying to get through this together. Hopefully there'll be a vaccine or something in a few months and we can start getting past this or at the very least, maybe better testing. Imagine if you could just test people instantly as they walk in. They've actually got in, in Finland now. I saw this the other day. They are. A, they have been able to train dogs at airports to 
smell COVID on people. Get out. Nope. Really? It takes ten. It takes ten seconds for the dog to make a decision, and then uh, it, in total, like sixty seconds to do everything. But literally, yeah, you walk up, and the dog sniffs you and can tell if you have COVID or not. I'll be damned. So if we have the, at least if you have something like that, whether it's a dog or you know they have the temperature guns sure. and everything, which is which is really cool technology too. If we even have that, at least then we can start getting people in. I think again, yeah. um, never mind a vaccine or a cure. So we're getting there, guys. It's been a pain for everyone. But in the end, I mean, it's going to lead to some, I think, good innovations, increases in medical technology, um, sanitation, and you, you name it, and just uh, people being healthier overall. And it'll lead to a day where we all look back and say, man, people were gross. Like, they just, they didn't sanitize New York City subway cars and schools and everything. Everything was just dirty all the time. People were just gross. So it's going to lead to a, a big jump forward. But it's a tough thing to get through, and I, I, I like to think we're maybe getting towards the home stretch. I hope, but uh, yeah, it's it, it's it. But anyway, uh, that's a bit off on a rant. Uh, Conor McGregor, shut the fuck up and fight, and that's all we need you for. It's funny. Um, we had those things that you were talking about on our job site in Winnipeg this week, and where they take your temperature as you come on to site, because you, obviously on job site, we had to send two guys home this week. Just their temperature was high. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean they have it, yeah. but you can't take that chance. And uh, we had to send two guys home. Two framers had to go home this week because their temperatures were high. So um, before we get out of here on this 538, episode 538 of Unscripted, Chris over there, dipshit here. Um, I did want to make mention that uh, I was very happy since the last time Chris and I have gotten together that uh, the Big Ten, college football, switching gears, the Big Ten, announced last week, I guess, that they were going to play a uh, eight-game conference schedule, and then the ninth game would be East versus West. So let's say potentially in the Big Ten, because there are 14 teams, you'd have seven teams in the West, seven teams in the East. You'd play your eight conference games, and then the last week would be what they're calling Championship Week, which is in late December. They would have the first team in the West play the first team in the East. That would be the of the excuse me. That would be the Big Ten championship game in Indianapolis. But then ultimately, you'd also have two versus two, three versus three, four versus four, and so on down the list. So they're going to play a nine-game schedule, and that's starting October twenty-fourth, I believe. The University of Wisconsin started practicing again this week. Uh, this week, uh, the Pac-12 finally got their collective heads out of their asses and decided that, well, if everybody else is doing it, we've got to do it too. So that's USC, UCLA, Stanford, Cal, those teams out on the West Coast of the U.S. They're going to play a seven-game schedule starting sometime in October. They'll all be done early enough to qualify for the college football playoffs. But as I was rambling on before, I think this year, instead of just inviting four teams, you've got to invite at least eight And I think, what the hell's the difference if you invite 16? You know, you're adding a couple of games, but what the hell? Um, I just think we've made this progress so far. And again, the testing on the college campuses hasn't been perfect. There have already been 24 games so far since we started this, you know, shortened season of college football. There have already been 24 games that have either been suspended, postponed, or just canceled altogether. Uh, funny fact here, the University of Houston has tried to have their season opener five times already, and all five 
well, previous four. They're going to try again today for their fifth time. They're going to try to play somebody today. I don't know who it is. I don't care. But their first four, all four of the teams that they were supposed to schedule to play came down with a high number of COVID cases and they didn't have enough players to fill out a roster. So poor Houston's been sitting on the sidelines for a month, month waiting to play somebody. And that is going to happen. I, I don't care. The, the only way this is going to happen is either, there's two scenarios that it's going to happen. It's going to happen in a bubble, which you can't do in college athletics because you've got campuses all over the United States. That's not going to happen. But then if that's not going to happen, you've got to have a system of testing similar to what they're doing in the NFL. The NFL last week was zero new cases of COVID. So their testing is working in the National Football League. But they're getting tested every flipping day. The Packers walk in at 1265 Lombardi Avenue to practice every day, and they're getting tested before they walk into the locker room. And that just, that's, that's, that's just the way of the world now here in 2020, folks. That's the way it's going to have to happen. And the NCAA is talking about testing two or three times a week. That's not enough. If you want the NCAA to make it, you know, uh, COVID-free through at least the football season and uh, men's basketball season, because those are the revenue sports in, in the collegiate ranks, you've got to be testing these kids every day. I don't give a damn what it is. And I know that their, their revenues are down and the, and the lower echelon sports are just being eliminated. Last week at the University of uh, somewhere, I can't remember, one of the big five, five power five conferences, they eliminated like seven sports. The University of Iowa, that's what it was. They got rid of seven or eight sports. Can't afford them anymore. If you're not getting, if you're not drawing flies at the football games or the basketball games because they're not playing or they're playing but they're not allowing fans, there's your revenue streams that keep volleyball afloat, that keep, uh, I don't know, twiddlywinks afloat, uh, gymnastics afloat. But if you don't have that income, those sports get, you know, kicked to the curb. And that's too bad. I feel bad for those kids at least in this case at the University of Iowa, they were allowing and they were honoring the scholarship. So that's good for those athletes. At least their education is paid for. But if the NCAA and Mark Emmert, you fucking fool, who's the head of the NCAA, you want the games back, good, okay? You understand the financial ramifications, good. But take it one step further, you moron. Make sure that these athletes are getting tested every day. Because if you don't, you're going to have mass cancellations that we've already seen in college football, and it's only going to get better, or excuse me, worse as we get into the winter. Because remember, the one thing I've learned from COVID so far is that this disease has a better chance of spreading when it's cooler outside. And if you're inside because it's too cold to do things outside, then you have to be testing every day. And if you don't, then you might as well just suspend everything and keep college sports on the back burner because you are going to have cancellations up the kazoo. I am very happy to see that the, the uh, athletes in the football and the basketball are going to get a chance to do the, the voodoo that they do. But my God, guys, take it one step further and make sure that these young athletes are getting tested every day. To, and, if they, and if they come up, then get them out of the facility and go have them self-isolate for 14 days and don't have him being exposed to the rest of the 60 guys or 85 guys on a, on a college football roster. That's doing disservice to your university and to your football program if you don't dis, you know, disengage these kids from the pack. Get them away, cut them loose, and let them go self-isolate for 14 days. Mark Emmert, get your head out of your ass. Don't make me laugh.
<laughs> well, that Mark Emmert guy must. He might be worse than Manfred and Goodell, honestly, oh, yeah. and he's he's the worst. And 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 the whole organization is terrible. I I'm actually I actually want to consider ordering a shirt that says something like "Disband the NCAA" and wearing it every single episode of Unscripted because the whole organization needs to go. They need to be disbanded and just ended. And he needs to be fired. And everyone needs to be fired. And they need to move out of Overland, Kansas, somewhere at least two thousand miles away, somewhere else, and have a new organization and a new name and do everything from scratch and have no more. You know, little, little old men sitting around voting on who should be the best teams. You can just have games to determine who the best teams are. You know, what a concept. And the whole thing's a joke. And I can't stand the NCAA. And they need to go. And they're the worst thing in sports. And they're just a complete farce. And they ruin any chance of me getting seriously invested in college sports because it's a joke. Because they don't want to pay the guys. They don't want them to get any money from other sources. They want to treat them like garbage. They want to control everything. They want to just determine and rig and engineer who gets to be in what game and it's a complete farce and it could not be worse the ncaa might be the worst organization on the face of the earth this side of boko haram and uh, the taliban and whatever <laughs> like other than that other than organizations that literally kill people uh the ncaa might be the worst organization on the face of the earth they could not be worse they're a joke and they need to die and that's all there is to it Okay, on that note, um, we've got to run on this uh, 538th episode of Unscripted. A lot of good things to talk about. Uh, have enjoyed getting back and, and uh, talking about sports. It's so much more fun to talk about sports than it is about a framing contractor or a concrete contractor. But the paychecks are nice. Um, it's nice to get a it's nice to get a paycheck again. Um, we, as I said, we've got to run. Um, we could go on forever and ever, but um, my notes are wet and I'm uh, running out of things, but we'll figure something out. Um, we thank everybody again. And, and again, I, I apologize for the unique circumstances of today's show, but remember, folks, we're still asking, even though we haven't been on as much as we have been in the past, we still implore you, ask you kindly, beg, borrow, and steal, if you are coming on to the 20 different avenues that Chris has found to get, up, uh, get unscripted up on, please take a few minutes to subscribe, whether it's on the YouTube channel or it is on the 20 other, like Spotify. And remember, I always say this when I do this, it's not subscribe on Spotify, it's follow. Thank you. It's follow. Um, so please take a couple of minutes. That's the best way uh, for unscripted to thrive and survive and um again our our work schedules are kind of weird um certainly me these days but again uh, the passion i think is still there for chris and i to do this i like getting with chris when we can i enjoy this very much it's even better when mikey remembers his goddamn microphone but um having said all that i still want to do this i think chris still wants to do this and you can help us by subscribing to any and all of the different avenues that you can listen to Unscripted, and it would be greatly appreciated by Chris and I if you were so kind to do so. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.